97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Brent Bowers with the Land Sharks and he flew in from Vero Beach, Florida to talk about creating passive income to enjoy life on your own terms. And can it get any better than that? If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trank, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The question I get all the time is how to become one of the 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. Take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, please type in the comment section after the show, identify your single biggest takeaway, and focus on only that for the next seven days. If you get value out of the show, please tag your friend below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please remember to ask your questions for Brent to answer. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate? You know, I always wanted to be, uh, you know, HGTV, you know, kind of displayed it, but I always wanted to be a real estate rock star. I mean, anybody that I thought was successful was in real estate. So from the very early age of 18, uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I was going to Robert Allen uh, seminars. At 18, you were going to Robert Allen seminars? Yeah, as soon as I got out of high school. I got a credit card from Capital One, maxed that bad boy out, and went to a seminar. It was like $5,000. And the guy up there presenting, I thought I was going to meet Robert Allen. He was not there. Mm -hmm. But uh, the guy presenting, I was like, I'm going to be that guy one day, not just doing this stuff, but also teaching people how to do it and creating millionaires. Like, we're going to at least create like five millionaires today. Well, I think since then, you've got a chance to physically meet Robert Allen, right? No, I have not. Okay, so I there may be next month at Family Mastermind. There we go. All right. So obviously, after 18, after 18, you went to that seminar, and like the next week, you became a millionaire. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to mowing grass because okay. uh, I was mowing grass in Florida and just, just knowing what I just learned, but I didn't quite know how to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite know what step to take next. And, you know, it just took, it was like putting a puzzle together for me. I didn't quit, I kept going. But they gave you like this roadmap or they kind of like gave you like a dream it gave me a dream really in the beginning and yeah. they may have gave me a roadmap but I, you know they say when when the student's ready the master will arrive well i maybe i wasn't quite ready then because yeah. i didn't go out and, and do anything with it I, I i wanted to though so you're talking about you wanted to be a real estate rock star what inspired you at that early age to want to be a real estate rock star you know i i I always like enjoyed taking something that wasn't very good and turning it into something that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I enjoyed sales. Like when, when the hurricanes hit us uh, back in 1992, Hurricane Andrews, uh, my, my grandma gave me one of those wind up radios to use during a hurricane. Well, after the hurricane was over, I went door to door to sell that radio because we no longer needed it. So I always enjoyed sales and I just wanted to put it together with real estate. I wanted to find this junker house and fix it up and then sell it for, you know, huge money. Mm-hmm. So, so I was you're, inspired by that. So you already liked real estate, you already liked sales. Um, when did you actually get into real estate? When did you actually start taking action on real estate? 2007, when I bought that first house after I just got my real estate license. Cause I actually thought I needed a real estate license to, to get like the inside edge on the deals. Like I, I'm like, I'm gonna be sitting in the office, all the great deals are gonna come across a, my desk. I'll pick and choose what I want and sell the rest type thing. Right, not a, it's, that's not an uncommon uh, fallacy. People think that if I get my real estate license, I can do more deals. Yeah. But you quickly learned 
quickly learned that wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite the case. I did get paid to buy that first house though. I did get a, a actual real estate commission because I was the buyer's I was right. my own buyer's agent. I had to borrow the earnest money deposit from great grandma, but I, I told her, I was like, look, I'm gonna get about a $3,000, $3,900 commission check. So I'll pay you back. She goes, well, if you don't, it comes out of your inheritance. <laughs> Well, she's now passed, she's in heaven now, but I, I never got that inheritance she was talking about. I think she was <laughs> tricking me there. Well, but you paid her back. I did, I paid <laughs> her back. Uh, so how old were you then at that point then? Uh, so 2007, so four, five, six, seven, so I was nine, 20, 21, just turned so 21. So it wasn't too long after, yeah, so took, I mean a I'm few a years. I'm a learner, three years. But I mean at 21 <laughs> though, I think I still a pretty good start. Yeah. So you got your license, purchased your first house, yeah. And then from there, it was easy breezy. Easy breezy, like living on easy street. Yeah. Well, rented that house out and found out really quick what it meant to be a landlord and how to actually uh, like screen tenants. Never, ever rent to anybody that's got a bad past or a felony on their record. Um, you know, I, I had to do a couple of evictions in, in that house. and A couple uh, of evictions, yeah, not one. Just, not just one, but, <laughs> but two. And uh, I learned that when people are able to pay above market price for rent, there's usually a story. Because mm -hmm. people with 750 credit scores don't pay above market rent for, for houses. I think they do now, though. <laughs> well, yeah. I think Different it's 2021, market. yeah. Different market. But not, not 2007. Where, not where that rental was at. <laughs> not where that Okay, rental. so you got your first rental property, um, and you start acquiring more rentals. I mean, this is 2007, so do you even still own that rental? Yeah, I actually just sold it uh, recently, and I never once made a profit on that house. Uh, it did. It was a heck of a tax write-off for yeah. a while. So you survived the storm with that house. I did. It I didn't actually, kill you. It, it did not kill me. It just made me stronger. A um, right. couple renovations later, taught me how to be a landlord, an educated landlord. Um, and no, I didn't buy more rentals. I, I moved to the coast to be the real estate rock star agent that I was mm -hmm. going to be, and 2008 was happening. Uh, during this whole thing. And I resorted to driving uh, tenants around, people looking to, to rent houses around. And I would get like to the house that I was trying to rent them like 30 minutes early to turn on the air conditioner and like fan it out and mm -hmm. spray for breeze so it didn't stink like dogs and cats. And if I was lucky, I would make $300 that week. If I was, <laughs> if I was unlucky, I got to hang out with people in my car all day. And it was not for me. Uh, so at that time, still young. So not married, not no kids yet. Yeah, I was actually, I got married at 21, about the same time I bought that house. Okay, uh, so you had some responsibility, some uh, obligations. I did, but no kids, no kids. No kids. Okay, so uh, you're acquiring more rentals, or you're, right now you're just focused on your real estate agent career? That was the goal. I, the goal was to acquire more rentals, but uh, I wasn't doing too well in the real estate agent side, so I was really just, my, my main focus was how do I keep the electric on mm -hmm. and pay, pay, pay my rent? So you're in survival mode. Survival mode. I was like burning up shoes on the road. Yeah. Like, you know, they say door knock, I door knock. Like everything you were talking about doing in real estate school didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Cause I also started my real estate license in 2007. And, uh, and I got my real estate license cause I, I was like, you know, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I was like, I'm gonna become yeah. this uh, uh, baron, land baron, right? I'm gonna have all these rental properties and, and this and that. and forget the W-2 income, and then I got became a real estate agent, and it all went down to crapper. <laughs> yeah, your dreams just flushed down the toilet, right? No, right. So, <laughs> no offense right. to real estate agents. <laughs> well, that was definitely not the time to be a realtor. Yeah. So then, how? what was the transition then? I mean, you, how did you survive that then? Yeah, so I survived it by, um, my grandpa said, you know, join the Air Force. Like, you know, you can get a great retirement. He sold the W-2 dream to me. Do 20 years, you retire doing very well. So I was like, okay. So I went to try and join the Air Force, and guess what? They they weren't taking guys like me at and and 2000 early 2009. Uh, so luckily, the recruiter said, you know, go next door. The Army will take anybody. So I'm a very <laughs> good student. Like, so what did I do? I went next door. Me and my uh, my ex-wife, uh, my first wife, went next door. I signed up. I was literally in basic training by October 2009, uh, Germany uh, very soon after, and deployed to Afghanistan November 2010. So it was a pretty quick process. Why were you rejected by the Air Force? 
So, all right. So I'm I'm gonna get very. Hopefully, it's not too personal. It, no, you know, when I was 18, I I went out uh, one night with a friend, and we actually got jumped by about uh, nine guys, and we fought back pretty hard, and I have nine counts of battery on my record. For so the Air yourself. Force defending myself, um, I was the only one making enough money to not qualify for a public defender, and the state's attorney threw it all out. So I literally had to go to court. Uh, for this. So it's on my record forever. And I've literally had students say, oh, I've seen your record like that, that have searched me. I'm like, yeah, it's I'm an open book. But the Air Force, uh, they said, yeah, we, we don't. Air uh, Force says we've got standards. We've got standards. Go to Army. And uh, you don't meet them. <laughs> so go to the Army. So then you go to the Army. I mean, is it six years commitment? What was that? It was a four-year commitment in the Army. And it was a really cool ride. I mean, one of the best experiences of my life. And they actually uh, pulled me out of my second deployment to send me to college be an army officer Got and it. uh so they, they select about 100 to 150 active duty soldiers a year so they saw something in me mm-hmm. and made me an army officer soon after uh i did my four, first four-year term and how is real estate happening while you're deployed i mean great afghanistan I, I i don't picture you know great wi-fi you know notaries <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it wasn't happening. So I was resorting to other entrepreneurship things in Afghanistan. Uh, that's for a whole nother podcast. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what was happening in real estate for me. My tenant was trashing my house, the one rental I had, because I got to come back from exactly a 364-day deployment to no money in my account because it all went to a freaking rental uh, mm-hmm. where we could have been, you know, traveling Europe for the, my couple weeks I had off. But uh, yeah, that was all that was happening. When the army pulled me out of Afghanistan the second time for the second combat deployment to, to send me to school, they sent me to a place called uh, Melbourne, Florida, Florida Tech. So I learned what house hacking was in 2013 before it was cool, before bigger pockets made it cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally bought a house with my VA loan, no money down, foreclosure, put some sweat equity in it, fix it up, um, paid a painter to help me because I suck at painting. And my parents helped me clean it and I got moved in. Um, and literally I got two roommates and I was making like a hundred dollars a month to live there. And then I refinanced, pulled cash out, bought another rental. And then it's time to go to, uh, Colorado to be stationed out there and bought a uh, triplex. Cause got I just it. kept rolling money in, in rentals. So you were house hacking while in the military. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. While I was in college, while I was a college student. All right. So then what, compelled you then to, to pivot to land? So great story, great, great question, because what, how the journey happened was buying all these rentals, you gotta fix them up, right? Mm-hmm. And I, didn't, I wasn't sitting on a pile of cash when I was going through college, I was an E5, I was getting paid as an E5 and making that $100 a month. So from my house, so I was, didn't have a mortgage, so it gave me discretionary income. But every time I turned around, my Amex was maxed out. My Home Depot car was maxed out. So I was like, I've got to figure out a way to figure out some, how to get some cash. Plus, I chose to go to a private school, so I'm paying out the, the, the pocket for those classes, 33000 a year. So I was like, man, I'll just, I'll just wholesale sell some houses. So I went on PropStream, got the, uh, the, the notice of default list, and started door knocking. Mm-hmm. And this is in Florida. And I kid you, everyone that answered the door looked like they were NFL linebacker. So the door knocking got quieter and quieter and quieter. And then I finally just started leaving a note. And... <laughs> One note uh, ended up turning into a couple deals. So I wholesale a few houses and I was like, this is cool. I got to get a system to do it. So I found uh, Wholesaling Inc., Tom Kroll at the time, mm-hmm. um, got the system going while I was moving to Colorado to, to take over a platoon as a brand new army officer. So I'm trying to be a platoon leader and go meet sellers on my lunch break. So I literally would fly out the gate, 30 minute drive, meet with the seller for five minutes, not connect, not listen. <laughs> Uh, try and get it under contract. And if I didn't, no follow-up just didn't happen. So I was like, I was doing about a deal a month, mm-hmm. making okay ma- money. But I heard this podcast where this guy was like buying land on the cheap, mm-hmm. like cheap. And he had like buyers just beating his door down to get him. And I was like, well, I'm not mailing the, the land list. I had, a, I had like 687 parcels I could have mailed. So I mailed him a simple postcard that said, hey, my name's Brent, I'll buy your land. You want a fair cash offer? Uh, I do everything, no fees, call me. I mailed 687 postcards. My phone blew up. Like, wow. I got probably 85 phone calls. Wow. And out of those 85, I returned just like, I'm a good real estate investor. I returned all 20, almost 20 of them Mm -hmm. uh, in the bathroom, hiding from my boss and my platoon. And 
Because every time they saw me on the phone, they're like, oh, yeah, Brent's doing another uh, real estate deal. Yeah. Uh, leave him alone. <laughs> well, I, I got 20 phone calls in out of those two phone calls. Out of the 20 phone calls, I did two deals. Both netted me $4,500, and that was in my bank account within like 30 days. Okay. So I was hooked. Yeah. Pretty hooked after that. When was this? This was in early 2016. 2016. So prop streams have been around for a while. Yeah. Well, no, I, I'm sorry. This list didn't come from PropStream. I'm saying this in general, a, like you were door knocking PropStream. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I that had was no idea was around for that long. That was, it was called PropStream or PropTrend back then. PropTrend, maybe. Got it. I think it was actually PropTrend in 2013. It. The notice oh. of default list. Yeah. But the All one right. that blew up my phone was tax delinquent list. So tax delinquent land properties. Yes. And this was only in your city. That was in El Paso County, Colorado. Where you were stationed. Where I was stationed. Got it. Okay, so two deals, 4,500 total or 4,500 each, each? Each, So you got 9K in your bank account. Quick. And now you're like, whoa, this is... Can I do this again? Yeah, this I don't is, think so. This is a different direction. <laughs> or yeah. this is a, a pivot, right? You're like, this is a, was it, um, proof of concept. Yeah, proof of concept. And right. I was like, there's no way this could be that easy. And it kept happening, kept happening. I didn't quit on houses. Yeah. I did not quit on houses. Those are still rolling. I got an amazing team back home pumping out deals right now. But the land is what changed my life. All right. So you close those two deals. What happened next? So <clears throat> we started, you know, figuring out how can we systematize this? Mm -hmm. How can we keep mailing uh, the, these land lists? How can we expand this? So I started buying in other counties. And that second land deal, I actually, it was really cool. The first one, a realtor bought it, like literally the day after I closed on it. And I, I had lined that up because I, I didn't want to have my money locked up in this land. I, I, did, I was kind of broke back then. I was broke, really I was. And the second one I bought, but I had a, literally a buyer the next day with a down payment that got my investment out of the property. And then after that, it was pure cash flow, pure profit. And, I was, and it was $400 a month, and the guy would give me cash every month. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how do, I, how do I compound on this? How do I duplicate this and systematize this? And, and that, this, is my, this is my key to getting out of the military. If I get, because I, I only needed to make it like $6,500 a month. That's all I needed to bring in. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, that one's $400. So if I do like 12 or 13 of these, I cover my nut and I can get out of the military. Yeah. And you're in a situation where you can leave anytime no no i had to put it in a packet and request to get out as a whole entire it's just like a three-year process to do it um they actually allowed me to do it and i literally had like 12 months so yeah. now it's like freak out time and like getting up at 4 a.m to get like my because i would be on base by 6 a.m mm -hmm. and not leave till about 7 p.m so there was no time for business so i had to really do it early the early hours like the miracle morning mm -hmm. i read that book it was like a life changer for me incredible book I actually have it in my bag. <laughs> so what then was your, so you, you get proof of concept, you're repeating it again. It could not have been that easy since then. It actually gets easier because the bigger our cash buyers gets, the bigger our waiting list gets for land, the faster we sell it. Got it. So there's no struggle after that. Well, there's struggle. I mean, there's cash flow struggles. Like I'll, I'll, I'll go crazy and I'll buy too much land. Uh, 117 parcels here, 18 parcels there. and then we'll be scrambling for money. So mm -hmm. I'm still like the, you know, I, you know, Javier, you had him last week. I'm kind of like him. I'm mm -hmm. not a super in-depth numbers analytical person. I'm like the big thinker and I got to hire smart people or surround myself with smart people right. to figure out the, the crazy in-depth stuff, like how are we going to pay the bills this month? We just sent out 5,000 mailers over here and we're getting on TV this month and all these things. I just go, I wanted to go, go, go with it. You're doing TV for land? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, we're, we're launching August 9th. Wow. And any particular market? El Paso County, Colorado, and Pueblo County, Colorado. Got it. So pre predominantly, you're, you're focusing on land in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm in Florida, Colorado, and Arizona. But okay. we also do radio for land, mailers for land. We used to cold call, but we don't anymore for land. Got it. Okay, so right now, and then I guess basically you have your houses team yeah and your land team well no they're actually combined they okay. do both because what's really cool about the land they know is going to pay us all passive income mm -hmm. because so for instance let's use an example of last week my land sales specialist she is retired she's a grandmother and she's always traveling the country 
And last week, she sold five parcels of land. And one was like $680 a month, one was $400, one was $200, one was $300. Let's just say that, that those five were only $300 a month, average. Average of all three were $300 a month each times five. That's adding $1,500 a month to our passive income. Every single month that we can count on for the next five, seven, some of them are 30-year mortgages. So every time we do that, if we compound that every single week, 50 weeks out of the year, we know that we can take a month off and do whatever, and we're just going to be paid the same amount. So my team really loves land. Yeah. And how does that work then? Um, you've got, because you got this cash flow, right? Like, um, what I see a lot of is a lot of uh, business owners where they've got the team and they're doing this as active income, and they're taking money out to buy passive income. Yeah. So it sounds like if you've got a land business, all that money is going into the business yeah we put it back into land some of it mm -hmm. and then here's the thing with land there's nothing to depreciate so we still have to buy rentals mm -hmm. we still have to buy like invest more into a 19 unit apartment complex that i'm a partner in we still have to we bought our own office building so those things right there allow me write-offs depreciation um what do they call it cost segregation mm -hmm. to where it lowers lowers our tax bar so it's almost like the opposite where we're taking it out of one passive vehicle and putting it in a tax savings vehicle, but that's also going to give more passive. So you're taking money that's active income, basically, because you can't depreciate any of it. Right. So you treat it basically as a full taxable income. Yeah. And you're taking that to buy passive properties or properties that you can have passive cash flow on that you can also depreciate. 100%. And we, we have to buy a certain amount of, ha like our, the CPA tells me, like third quarter, okay, you got to spend this much. And either we'll go out and buy it as rentals with cash or we'll do a subject to existing financing. At the end of the day, we're just trying to get like a couple million dollars in real estate with that have walls and doors and refrigerators and carpets, things we yeah. can depreciate really quick. Got it. Okay, so you still, you're not just 100% land then? No, no. Okay. We flip houses. I think we've got, we've got three renovations going right now. So a lot of people that listen to the show, they're either, you know, wholesaling real estate or flipping real estate. So... For those that are listening right now, why should they listen to you about land? Well, I mean, I wholesale houses. We wholesale probably one every 10 days because we, we kind of like cherry pick. Mm -hmm. We do like the cert, we call it the first, second, third look, like where the quarterback's like, okay, which receiver's open? Do we want to flip this? Do we want to keep it as a rental? Do we want to wholesale it? Or do we want to wholetail it where we're just going to throw it on the MLS? Um, so we kind of look at that. Um, I guess, you know, why listen to me? is because land allows it, the land payments that we get every same, well, we also flip land too, you know, because some of it we don't want to buy, mm. you know, we, we flip it uh, because we can't, we can't sell or finance all of our land. 90% of it we do, but eventually we run out of money. Out of, I own 259 parcels of land that we're getting payments on. Out of those 259 parcels, we only have debt on three of them. And it's only because we did a subdivide. Mm -hmm. So we're doing this without bank loans. So we're, we're kind of like, okay, we'll take from this pot to buy land, this pot to buy houses. So I guess the reason why someone would want to listen to me is because, you know, your job starts over every time you leave that closing table. You might do $127,000 net profit on a flip or $80,000 profit on a wholesale. But what I like most is knowing that I know, what's it, August right now? I know in September and December or September and October and November, exactly where we're, we're going to get paid on the on land notes if our doors close. Got it. So just predictable cash flow. Predictable cash flow. That's yeah. You just summed it up right there. Got it. All right. So the problem you're trying to solve initially when you first look at land, you've got all these rentals that you're constantly rehabbing. So any cash flow was basically going right back into the rentals, and being cash strapped, you're trying to find another way. Heard someone on the podcast talking about land. Yeah. I'll give it a shot, and holy crap, it works. I pulled the trigger like the next day. That's like, <laughs> you tell me something that's working, I'm not afraid to try it. And yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And what's so cool, like another reason why the heck anybody would want to listen is because like, I've got like six wholesalers just in Colorado Springs that are always like biting at our toes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know any other land buyers in Colorado Springs. Like, there's virtually no competition because everyone, people listening to this show right now probably have driven by land in the last week and haven't even looked at it because there's no storage units on it. There's no houses to rent. There's no mobile homes on it to rent out. They don't realize how to make money with it. Mm -hmm. And all, it's, that's, it's so, so simple. You buy it at a massive discount and turn around to sell or finance it. 
Got it. Okay, so then um, I don't do any land, right? So you coach me, right? Tomorrow I want you know I'm I'm invigorated, I'm inspired, and I want to start doing land. All right. What's the first thing I do? So the first thing I'm gonna say, let me ask you, what's your budget look like? Do you have any funds, or are we gonna drop you in some city with thousand bucks? Like, what, um, what do your funds look like? Well, let's just say money is not an issue. Money's not an issue. Good. Okay. I'm going to tell you to go to Supercharged Offers. Let them take care of all your marketing. Mm. You just need to answer the phone and buy the land at 30, 40 cents on the dollar and then turn around and pre-sell this land before you pull the trigger with either you're going to flip it for fast cash with mm. a realtor for just like sell it to someone else really quickly mm. or you're going to line someone up with a down payment large enough to cover your investment. All right. Okay, now let's say I'm doing a deal a month. So... You know, I'm making about ten thousand a month profit in land. No, but they're not because we we track them. Uh, same TV ad. I could say houses and land on the same ad. Mm -hmm. So I'm utilizing. Like I get, uh, you know, I get savings because I'm using these systems for a couple different things. And I'm already mailing. I'm already pulling the tax delinquent list. And why not mail houses and land both, and also mobile home parks? Got it. Okay, so I'm mailing these people. All those systems are pretty much in place. I got people calling. How is the conversation different? I would say it's different because there's not as much motion, emotion in the seller. Because, you know, we buy houses. The, the seller has lived there for 30 years. They raised their family there. Their husband uh, and they, 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 their dog, they buried the dog in the backyard. That's emotion. It's really hard to get that person to sell at a massive discount. Now let's flip it over to the land side land seller inherited the land or uh husband and wife go on vacation to colorado 20 years ago purchased a parcel of land that they're going to build their someday maybe cabin on well that someday maybe never happened and they've been paying the taxes on it for 20 years now they're like just just whatever just get rid of it type mm -hmm. thing um so there's so much less emotion uh with the land sale they inherited it uh or whatever uncle passed away and gave them the land all these things uh they never laid their head on it at night so i say it. just simple less emotion there's less emotion so it's conversation similar <clears throat> very similar but less emotions exactly and then um with land what i always find is fascinating you know is all these different ways you can finance it oh yeah there's no rules there are no rules right there's no box <laughs> <laughs> so what are the different ways then that you're acquiring land like someone says i mean let me take a step back what is the average price point for what you're acquiring so, you know, I started with the lot, literally my, that first two deals I told you, one was $285, the first one. $285. Yeah, yeah, $285. Like, not $285,000. No, 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 no. And I'll tell you what, you, like for the listeners, like I was such a pansy, like I wasn't going to pull the trigger on it because I didn't understand it. So I had to drive to the land. It's like an hour and a half away from me. And I always recommend like starting your own backyard, yeah. like two, two hour, two and a half hour radius because there's power behind that. There's, there's, there's confidence. I drove to the land, me and my wife and my, uh, I think it was my son was like two months old at the time. Well, I still didn't know. I was like, this is beautiful. I'm looking at the Pike National Forest, but like, what's the catch here? So we drive down the hill and it's like literally God planted a real estate office for me to call. Cause I didn't know how to evaluate. I didn't know what it was worth. Call it, realtor answers on a Saturday. Like nice. <laughs> yeah. She's in the office. She goes, I'm very familiar with the land. Uh, that you're talking about, I was like, well, I want to, I need one thing from you. What is the get it done now price? What can I sell this for? Like 30 day blowout price. Cause I don't want to, I don't want the one year price. I see land sit on the MLS for like a long time sometimes. Like either they're not offering financing or their pictures suck or they're asking too much or they just stuck a sign out front mm -hmm. and that doesn't work. So she goes, well, maybe $10,000, take you about 45 days to sell it. And I'm like, my, my light bulb goes off. I was like, like everything was like, I, like I drank like two Red Bulls <laughs> immediately. I was like, I'm about to spend $285 to make 10 grand. Mm -hmm. So I, I hung up with her, thanked her for her time. I said, I'll call her back. I haven't paid for this property yet. I was like, not ready to pull the trigger. And she calls me back like five minutes later. She goes, Hey, is it okay if I buy the land? I was like, what are you offering? She said, $5,000. And I'm an amazing negotiator. I said, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, when do you want to close? She said, I can close Wednesday. I was like, four days from now, it's Saturday. She goes, yes. I was like, okay. <laughs> so let's do the deal. Send me the contract. So she sent me the contract. I called the seller. I said, I'll pay you on Tuesday. Bring the deed. 
So I met the seller, got the deed, brought it to land title, got my $5,000 check the next day. Yeah. So I don't know where I was going with all that. Well, we're talking oh, about the, the first typical the average, price point. Yeah. All right. So my typical price point now is anywhere, I would say I spend anywhere from ten dollars to $45,000. And I like to, if I'm going to sell or finance the land, if I'm going to sell or finance, I want to make a 3x return. If I'm going to quick flip it, I mean, I'm fine with 10K. Mm. Um, so seller finance, if I'm, I'm paying 30,000 for it, I want to sell it for 90,000, preferably on a 30 year mortgage at 9% interest because yeah. 30 year mortgages, I'm going to like quadru- like collect way more. And there's no rules on land. Literally. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So typical price point, 10 to 45,000. Are these usually debt free, free and clear? Or- yeah. So I'm buying them with my cash or for a while there I had a part the seller. Is a seller. Oh, the seller. Yeah, this free and clear land. The most land you buy is free and clear. Yep. And the only encumbrances is just taxes. Yeah, most of the time there's taxes, there's liens, little things to work out, like okay. pay, pay off. So you're buying these things for not very much. Uh, you're, you're paying your own cash or you're, do you do seller finance from the... Yeah, I'll have the seller carry back sometimes. Uh, 0% interest. We, I don't call it 0% interest to the seller. I say principal only payments. I'll pay a little bit more, but I want it to come off the balance every month. And that's where I leave it. So what does that conversation sound like? Oh, uh, with the seller? Hey, Mr. Seller, um, you know, what are you looking to get out of this property? Like, okay, they give me their number, usually the pie it's in the like sky 20, type thing. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, how do you, like, do you, what's your plan with it afterwards? What are you going to do with the money? Or what do you need the money for? Like, I, and I don't question them, like, where they get defensive. Like, I, I built a lot of rapport. I've communicated. I, I've connected. I've, you know, whatever. We had some couple conversations, and they said, "Well, I, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a camper. How much does a camper cost? About thirty thousand. This was on a seventy-five thousand dollar purchase. Mm. So that seller, he agreed to to take thirty thousand down and hold the remaining forty-five thousand at principal only payments, zero percent interest. So he had cash flow mm-hmm. for a lot for nine years." Right. Um, and he was fine with that because he was worried about like triggering Medicaid if he got this huge chunk of money, like losing Medicaid. Yeah. Um, so that worked out well for him. So it was a conversation of just really, I don't, I don't think I was, it's, it's not scripted. It's really seeing how you can serve that seller uh, as well as pay him the price he's looking for. Yeah. Hopefully a little bit more because if you're doing principal only payments, let's, let's just take it, let's step back a second. Let's say you're buying a $200,000 home at 6% interest. Well, over 30 years, you pay 423. So technically, you could pay up to $423,000 for that house if they did 0% interest. Yeah. Because um, it comes down every month. So you can give a little bit more. Um, so it's really a, a, a win win yeah. on both sides. But ultimately, it comes back to just figuring out what the seller wants. Yeah. And then giving it to them as long as it works for you. Yeah. And then if sometimes they give you what they want and it's just totally not going to happen. Right. I mean, and then you got to give them your anchor and rip their kite right out of the sky. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, really just doing the slow dance with them and just having that conversation and showing them options and listening to what they have to say type thing. And then you mentioned earlier you like to pre-sell a lot of these. Yeah, because I, 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 I get the question all the time, well, what if I get stuck with the land? What if I can't sell it? What if you had a buyer already waiting with cash in hand or earnest money deposit at the, at the title company before you even pay for the land. How do you do that? Uh, to give you an example, we just, we bought an uh, infill, I call it infill buildable lots. Like it was in Colorado Springs. Weird thing, cause it had power lines going over it. So the only reason why it was still sitting there. Um, so we were paying 16,000 for it. Let's take a step back yeah. for everyone that's listening. What does infill mean? Yeah, buildable like infill lot. It's like basically water and electric are pretty much ran to the lot line, hopefully sewer as well. It's basically where a builder can come in and just erect a house. And right, so within the city in. limits. Yeah, exactly. Right. And those are in more demand rather than the rural land in the middle of nowhere um, where someone's going to park their RV or build a cabin one day. So the infill billable lots, we sell them to, you know, the flippers that are tired of, you know, competing for the stinky cat pee houses. <laughs> they can just build something from the ground up. All right. So you're finding these and then uh, we're talking about how to get the money pre-sold. Yeah. So th- so I found a buyer that wants to pay us 35 or I think it worked out like 32. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be 40, but we found out the power line. So we, we knocked some money off. So 
<clears throat> excuse me, paying $32,000. We're buying it for $16,000. Well, my buyer's down payment is $16,000. Get it to the title company. We're going to use those funds to pay the seller. And now I am the bank, the deed of trust, and promissory note. I have a deed of trust and a promissory note on this land. We never, we never owned it. I just have a note. Yeah. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't want to own the land. I just right. want the money coming in. Absolutely. Um, and then going back to my situation here, right? I'm starting over. I, I've got 10000 a month to work with. How am I even finding these sellers? The sellers of land? Yeah. So, I mean, how are you finding your sellers for houses? Uh, right now, we're just pulling lists and skip tracing them. Skip tracing and calling? Yeah. So, one of my cold callers in Costa Rica, before uh, I stopped cold calling, there's a whole other story about that. We found a guy that has 150 parcels of land. We bought the first couple from him. He no longer liked our prices. Now we have uh, partnered with him mm -hmm. and we go on the deed and, and we wholesale that land or we sell our finance that we just split the gross. I never had to buy it. So what I'm getting at, you already have a system that's working for you for houses. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the house or land or apartment complex or mobile home. It's the same exact seller, same exact thing. You're already, you're already, you're already pulling lists. Grab the land list too. Yeah. Skip trace that. Call them too. It's no different. Hey, just want to see if you'd consider an offer on your land. Yeah. So basically your point is the questions I'm asking is overcomplicating the matter. Yeah. Just pull a different list and do everything else the same. Yep. Just have your list provide. Who pulls your list? Um, I mean, there's a hand, handful of different ones. Batch. Yeah. Ask Batch to include the land. Yeah. That, so there's a, uh, there's a guys in our, um, I can't think of a, Sell My House Now. They own a, a website called Sell My House Now. They're mm -hmm. in the family mastermind mm -hmm. with us. They give the land leads for free. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Right, because no one wants it. Yeah. It's free. I'll take them. <laughs> if, is it free? Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. All right. So I think we have to answer the question here. The whole nother story about firing the cold callers. Okay. So um, it was kind of like a rocky road already. I'm not a good manager. Like, <laughs> I don't want to Well, you're a dreamer. If I got to man, yeah. If I got to manage you, I don't need you. So I had like, well, it was really small scale. Like I had three cold callers and I was like, they were calling me every day about something. And I got down to one cold caller because I liked the guy. He'd been with me a while and we, we're, we're still profitable. We're mm -hmm. very profitable on cold calling. Um, it worked well in my business. Uh, Brent Daniels, you know, TTP. Yeah, it's a pretty good program. Well, so this, this guy got on my list, my cash buyers list for my houses. And I, I blast my cash buyers list for houses to sell them land too, by the way. A lot of people don't realize that your cash buyer list, if you got 8,000 people on it, I guarantee you, you've got at least eight or nine land buyers on there. Mm -hmm. um, spec home builders, whatever, developers. Um, so I text this guy three times and I, I used the batch litigator scrub. Well, he came across as no uh, TCPA litigator, no professional litigator, no on the do not call. Well, we missed it. it, it, it he actually was. Uh -huh. So he subpoenaed me. I actually ended up uh, help. My disposition manager was uh, on vacation. So I went to one of our wholesale houses in Pueblo. And the first one I've been to in a while. And I'm standing there super bored. No one's shown up. Um, we had the wrong address. Um, so I saw this car drive by and I'm like, oh, he's going to the wrong address. So I like chased him down. I was like, are you looking for blah, blah, blah? They go, are you Brent? I was like, yeah. I was so happy because I had one person looking at this crappy house. We didn't end up wholesaling it, by the way. We canceled contract on it. So he's like, oh, interested him and his partner. And they're like, they're both wearing sports coats. I'm like, man, these don't look like house flippers. But I'm all cool, whatever. They, maybe they're the bank. Maybe, they, maybe they're just like wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy literally, like in a movie, pulls out this vanilla envelope and goes, you've been served and runs away. I totally thought about chasing him and kicking his ass. Like, but I didn't. I was like, <laughs> I was stunned. I was like, what the heck just happened? These two grown men just ran away from me. So they served me for three text messages. This guy got on my cash buyers list. And then Mojo was on one system. Mojo Dialer is what we use for our uh, dialing system for cold calling. And then our cash buyer list was on another. So they weren't communicating. So then we ended up cold calling the guy, too, because he's in our realtor list. This guy's a realtor as well as an attorney that sues people like me. He got like three of us in, in my city. Uh, so 
we we basically got hit for like fifteen dollars a pop. It was like a year and a half battle. Um, I should have just settled with him at the beginning, but he wouldn't. Fifteen so. or fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred each. Yes. Now it's gone up. Yeah, it has went up. Um, so I paid my my defense attorney like I don't even want to say how much money, but it was like about twenty thousand total all combined. Mm-hmm. So I was like, whatever. I'm just done with cold calling. Yeah, and that's <laughs> you're not alone. You're not alone. So, all right, uh, some questions here. Uh, Glenn Bennett says, veterans, let's get it. Um, Josh H. wants to know, what does Brent think about other land specialists like Steve and Jill Batella from oh, Land Academy? They also do houses. I mean, they do houses in land. Yeah. Jack and Jill. <laughs> Jack and Jill Batella, <laughs> the Land Academy. Uh, and then um, Glenn has a question. Are blind contracts in the mail the best marketing strategy for land? I assume that's what I call my LOL, my land offer letter. I send a, a contract because uh, whenever I get one back, I laugh out loud because I just got a piece of land under contract less than yeah. 50 cents on the dollar. So I love blind contracts. Absolutely yeah. love them. I like to change them up with postcards, blind contract. But here's the thing about blind contracts. No one knows what to offer. It's different in every county. There's 3,300 counties in the United States. Like, do I offer 30 cents on the dollar, 10 cents on the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar? So you got to go off of demand. And then you got to go off conversions. Like if you're not getting any conversions, you're probably offering too little. Mm-hmm. See, so you, you got to really track your key performance indicators. So you actually have to monitor it. It's not yes. just, you can't just turn on land and it's really easy. You actually you still have to work it like a business. Yeah. And you can send a postcard if you want to get a lot of phone calls. Yeah. I don't want to get a lot of phone calls. I want the phone calls to be like, yeah, let's do the deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Uh, and then uh, Bryant, uh, Bristol wants to know, uh, how much feasibility do you do as far as zoning, topography, easements, availability, utilities, environmental constraints? I don't do any of it if I'm getting it at a massive discount. Now, I'll make sure there's like no, if there's like a junkyard on it, like we'll check it out. Like we want to make sure it's buildable. If it's not, like we basically want to get it for free. Like I can tell you on two hands how many times I got land for free. What's that like? So, I'll give you an example. Um, the feet, the, going back to the environmental issue, we had this uh, land deal that ended up having a huge like building on it. I say huge, it's like probably like 7,000 square foot maybe. And the seller thinks there might have been asbestos and told my acquisition manager this. And I said, don't buy it. Just get it under contract. She got it under contract for the back tax amount. We would pay the back taxes and give the seller $1. We assigned that contract to one of our cash buyers that was super interested in that land. He was the only one that made the offer. And literally we got, we made a $27,000 net assignment fee on it. That was a free property. Nice. Yeah. I mean, for dollars. And I didn't want to buy it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with asbestos. Like if it's got environmental issues, I don't want to mess with it. Right. Uh, so then what does your business look like, look like today? I mean, I know you mentioned you got land, you got houses, apartments, sounds like, maybe some storage. What no, does, storage no storage, no storage. I am a very quiet investor in an apart, a 19-unit apartment complex. Um, you know, the business today looks like we're, we're buying a couple parcels of land a week, uh, on a good week. And it's in good. Colorado only or nationwide? Nope. Uh, Colorado, Arizona, That's Florida. Right. It has been a little harder to buy land lately. It's, it's kind of turned to a... Uh, literally a buyer's market to a seller's market for land but here's what happens when things get harder to buy they get become easier to sell Mm -hmm. so i almost now have a waiting list my my uh my land specialist my retired land specialist she's a driver she's a high d i Mm -hmm. she loves to talk and loves to go um but she's always like can we buy more land can we buy more land i've got people want and then she'll give me the areas like Mm -hmm. we go off what buyers want you know i heard smart person say like don't invent a product and sell to people sell a product people want right yeah that's incredible wisdom that for whatever reason we don't know this until we are in the business literally <laughs> <laughs> all right so then how much are you wholesaling how much how many houses how many land so uh we're doing currently three renovations uh we got three houses we're renovating right now um we we wholesaled probably about one house in the last like eight or nine days so i, I generally wholesale about a house every 10 days I mean, there's some weeks we're doing three in one week. Uh, so it's crazy. It's like, a, it's, it's a cycle in my market. Um, is that in Colorado? Yep, Colorado Springs and Pueblo. So Got it. Where Grant Cardone just did his, uh, his, his thing out there in Got Pueblo. Uh, and then Kai wants to know, how are you valuing the land? And it sounded like it was just based purely off the metrics. 
<laughs> yeah, I look. At, I don't look at assessed value. I have people call me all the time. Hey, the assessed value is this. I don't care what the assessed value is. Like, yeah. That's a taxing authority. That's how we pay the police officers and the firefighters. Like we don't care about assessed value. Yeah. So uh, the first way, the easiest way is call a realtor that's familiar with land. Um, the second, another way is I use priced.com. It's like literally, uh, uh, it's almost like prop stream, mm -hmm. but it tells you what the land is worth, like by the parcel, whether it be a half acre or one acre. Um, another way is a little, I look at Zillow solds on the plane. I looked at like two different parcels of land. Cause I was like, I was interested in one and I was just looking at Zillow solds. That's funny. So you got, um, we got rid of the cold callers. You got your, your, your gal who's retired. Yeah. Who's doing this. It sounds kind of like a side hustle, but she's having fun. It is a side hustle. She doesn't really need money, but I think it's to get her to Vegas. Like the money she makes for her land, you know, she brings to Vegas. <laughs> ah, well, that's fun. So then what does the rest of your organization look like? Who are, what are the uh, pieces or who are, who's in there? So the pieces of my organization, I have uh, two acquisition uh, people, you know, call them acquisition managers. Um, that buy houses and land. One, one just started with us. She's, she's just buying houses. So far, she's going to move into land as well. Um, and then I have the land specialist, the, my retired sales lady. And then I have a couple virtual assistants. In, uh, I have a, actually a husband and wife virtual assistant team in the Philippines. They're absolutely incredible. Um, the wife, Ian, she actually does all of our due diligence for the land. She posts the land. She schedules the photography and the drone and the video. Nice. All like basically the top 10 questions that people ask. Is it buildable? What, how do we get there? Blah, blah, blah. Like she puts that on all the websites, the land.com sites. Um, her husband, Migs, like is our just tech genius. Mm -hmm. He does copywriting. He does our sales emails because we do an education email each week and then a sales email. So we're, we're building like and trust. Uh, who am I missing? We've got an office manager that helps with collections. Here's the dirty part about land. It, like, easy come, easy go. There's no credit check. There's no job check. Like, if they've got a down payment and a doc fee, we're going to set them up for a monthly payment. And sometimes they, they default. You know, we do our best to work with them. So we'll try and collect. We'll try and get them back on target. If not, we take the land back and resell it. Got it. Um, Joshua Ortiz wants to know, then, after mailing, what is your second marketing source? So mailing for land, like mm -hmm. how do we buy the land? Well, after mailing. So if there's, if you, if you got mail, you stop cold calling. Is there anything else you're doing or, or just uh, Radio. Radio works very well for buying land because what's cool is what I found with radio. Um, we're not buying a lot of houses on, the, on radio that are in like the city, like the high demand areas. Mm -hmm. We're buying houses like on the outskirts with radio because it's just some phenomenon with that. It's weird, but we're also buying land on the outskirts with radio. Uh, radio, mail, TV. Um, we actually buy land from, from our land for sale signs that we have on the side of the road. We're trying to sell a piece, but people will sell us land. That's awesome. And referrals. Referrals are crazy. Like They found that we're the land people, and we're like celebrities of land. <laughs> and people call us, like realtors, bring us deals. Yeah. And we pay the realtor for, for bringing us that deal. Of course, absolutely. What, uh, what are the major KPIs then when you're talking about land? So I like to track a couple things. Um, I just actually got a KPI report right before I got here. I'm going to talk about marketing on the sales side first. So we spent in the second quarter of 2021 a whopping total of $6,200 on marketing to sell our land. That's it. I think I spent that a week. Yeah. I'm just talking about the marketing side. I'm not talking about acquisition for land. But marketing I, side... I and that was to bring in, that brought us in a little over, I think, 75000 So it was about 1,100% uh, ROI is what it turned out to. ROI. We paid $12 per lead. Um, and that was to sell it. So I know that every dollar I spend, I'm going to make 1100 back on the sales side. Now, the, the KPIs I track on the buy side, how much I send, like as far as letters, how much I spend to send it and then acquire. So if I spend $1,000 in letters, to acquire a parcel that's going to make us 10,000. I know my numbers that quarter, I got to spend 1,000 to make 10,000. Yeah. So I track them separately, but I, I try and keep it super simple too. And Ian, who I mentioned, she takes care of all those key performance indicators. Oh, yeah. Brent's not doing that. Heck no. <laughs> I don't even understand it. <laughs> I just like the graphs she gives me. 
So then all in, all, uh, all in between all your different businesses, right, between land and, and, and uh, houses, what is your monthly overhead? About uh, between land and house side, it would be about 19000 a month. Okay. And then is there any tool that you look at that gives you, you know, I mean, it's, it, it sounded like earlier, you're just re- reusing the same existing tools that you had before. So is yeah. there any tools that help you give you a leg up or is just i use a lot of tools um you know i uh, my crm is pipe drive my team loves pipe drive i mean we use just call you know to to take all of our phone calls um as far as tools like you know price and land i use price.com i'm big on my I, I would say the number one key to success for for me and my organization and many of my students that just take off like a rocket is making sure that mail gets out, the marketing gets out, whether you're on vacation, sick with COVID, doesn't matter. Like it's gotta go out. You gotta keep priming that pump or keep that pump going so you don't have to reprime it when you get back type thing. Um, so I would say resources, people, uh, just I would say my team is my, my best tool. <laughs> um, let's see, Kai wants to know, have you ever had issues with people wanting to keep the mineral rights to the land? Uh, yeah, people ask us all the time, does it include mineral rights? Um, the 259 parcels that I've done of land, I've never once had the opportunity to buy the mineral rights. And if I do, I'm keeping them. I'm not yeah. even going to, because there's a reason why people aren't selling those things. So, so for the listeners that may not be familiar with mineral rights, can you mm-hmm. explain that? So mineral rights are basically like if they're, they find that there's like copper or some type of mineral in the ground, uh, it's a huge process too, because a lot of people think like, Oh, they're just going to drive up on my land and start drilling for oil or whatever. You know, it could be anything underneath the surface of the ground. You, people don't realize that you don't own below the ground. Water rights, too. Like, it's huge in Colorado. You don't actually have water rights unless, like it says on your deed. So mm. mineral rights, I guess the best way to explain it is, like, they come in and drill for whatever type mineral is underneath the ground. And I have never owned mineral rights yet. So every time you bought land... You did not get mineral rights. Nope. Got nope. it. Um, and then Jacane wants to know, what are your thoughts on infill lots? Love them. I absolutely love them because you can quick flip them. Uh, if you have a wholesaling company and you wholesale houses, like I guarantee you that you've got someone on there that's ready to do a spec house or tired of fighting for the, the dirty cat pee house that will build a house from ground up. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, great example. One of my first cash buyers from my house list saw me selling land on craigslist he goes why didn't you tell me about that i was like i didn't think that you guys bought land so that was an infill lot yeah not only um anyone that's flipping is not that much more for them to build right and we but we don't know that necessarily right and then you learn later on it's like oh yeah if they because the process is to flip a house there are some more processes but it's not that much harder it takes longer yeah. But it's not that much harder. And you don't have to worry about foundation problems or bad sewer lines or bad roofs if you're building the house from ground. All right, there's up. fewer surprises. <laughs> and I mean, I can give you a perfect example. We just bought a, a house in Florida and we bought it sight unseen. We paid an inspector, paid a company to go out there. Guess what happened last night right before I got on the plane or right before I got on the plane this morning? Like it's pouring like crazy. The roof's leaking in three spots, like in my bedroom, in the kitchen. Like that's a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Now we have to deal with that. <laughs> right. But if you were to build it. I would have no built condition. it. Hopefully that wouldn't happen. But Hopefully. It could. <laughs> um, so what is your motivation to keep going? What is, what is your why? You know what? I would say at this point now, the money is covered. Um, you know, the why is like I get to see like students that, you know, get to tell me like, hey, I, I quit, my, I'll quit my job. Or a perfect example, I had my support call on Tuesday. Um, this lady that was working at a daycare, she got to stay home all summer long with her kids and did a couple land deals and made just a little bit more than what she would have worked at the daycare with a whole lot less time. Yeah. So those type of things are my why now. Um, and then obviously I, I want to I want to always be growing and expanding and improving and, and, you know, going to the next mountaintop like that's that's gets me out of bed, too. Yeah. But uh, I would say my biggest why is just like seeing people like lives change like mine. Like I had to. I needed this. It had to work for me. I had no choice. Yeah. Um, you want to expand upon that? You said you got a coaching program? 
Yeah, no, it's called thelandsharks.com um, or Wholesaling Inc. I'm, I'm with, I'm, I'm Wholesaling Inc.'s official land coach. So uh, I get to work with Wholesaling Inc., like one of the, the best coaches out there, mm. as well as you, guys like you. I get to hang out with guys like you. It's an incredible platform, Wholesaling Inc. Where I'm coming for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Look right at the camera when you say that. Coming for you guys. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? Oh, man. Um, I would say my biggest struggle is, like, I want to do it all. And I got to just stay narrow, stay focused. I, I literally listened to um, the podcast you did with Javier last, uh, last week. And I'm like, I just told my team today, like, hey, let's, let's go ahead and start mailing multifamily. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my problem. Like, yeah. shiny object. It's a struggle. I want to do every course. I'm in, like, three training courses right now. Like, I've got several that I haven't even uh, – got to check out yet um so i want to do it all like learn it all um and it's just my kids want time too and so does my wife so that's my struggle is balance it's funny though because you mentioned javier right he was on the show last week and it's like okay well maybe it's time we get into apartments and then i see a post from stephanie betters you know and she's talking about how she just acquired this apartment so i just sent her a message hey um how'd you do that you know it's like well we're looking for some funding you interested yes Shiny object syndrome, right? Our eyes are bigger than our stomach. Yeah, Bitcoin, another shiny objects. Like, <laughs> th there's a reason why they put those blinders on the horses so they'll keep moving forward. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, so then what is your superpower? So my superpower is finding people that are smarter than me to help me get my vision accomplished because I'm not the smartest guy. So it's a really easy superpower to have, really. Yeah. Um, and I, I found it in the Army. Like the army taught me to be able to delegate things. And, uh, you know, when I first became an army officer, I still wanted to do the things that I did when I was enlisted, but I, I had to become the, the director of the trigger pullers and no longer the trigger puller. Um, so that's my superpower is like, I can, I can coordinate the trigger pulling. Yeah. I mean, that, and you had great training yeah. on it. Yeah. Not only did you, do you delegate, but you actually got really good training from the biggest organization I think in the world on how to delegate. Yeah. And just also, you know, hiring coaches and mm -hmm. listening to podcasts like, like the real estate disruptors podcast. Yeah. Like, so it's all a puzzle. I think we, we grow every day. It's the reason why we go to the gym. You can't just go once a month. I wish you could though. Um, I'm telling you what, if we figure that out, we won't need real estate. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So then what is the greatest lesson that you have learned? The greatest lesson um, that I've learned is to take the time to really listen to people, to make sure they're seen, um, understood, and they know that you understand their situation. You know, I can tell you many times in my life where I've had to struggle or bad things have happened, it was usually a fact of communication where I didn't listen. Um, where I might have been thinking what I want to say next, where I was just listened and had someone expand a little bit more on the energy that they gave from that answer. So I would say the, the greatest lesson I've ever learned is just to listen a little better. And, you know, that's something that we focus a lot in our sales training program. Uh, I mean, a lot. <laughs> We're focused on that specific section. So let me ask you, I'm going to kind of put you in a spot here. How much potential income do you think you left on the table because you were not as good a listener as you are today. Are we talking about like... Uh, in your career. Are we talking about like... No, I was about to bring it to like... We're, or like loss of divorce? Like not listening no, to... <laughs> not personal, although no. that happens too. No, more of the you know, conversations you've had with homeowners, landowners, and so on. Probably, I would say, just off the top of my head, a couple million dollars. Yeah. Two million, three million. And I would say the same thing too. You know, like we do the sales training now and... Uh, I've kind of, you know, Rafael Cortez, I kind of mentioned him right before. Yeah. This, right. Good guy. So uh, there was a time where he was my competition, right? I'm doing PPC, Shantari's doing PPC, and I'm getting my butt handed to me <laughs> by Rafael. I didn't even know, right? I just know that there's some other wholesaler that's showing up. Yeah. And if I had known then what I know now about being a good listener and paying attention to the homeowner and figuring out not just what, they say, what they're saying now, the meaning behind it, what they're trying to convey, what's getting lost potentially in translation, probably could be retired by now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many millions I've left on the table, but I know it's multiple. Um, 
What is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Jeez. Um, I would say the, my favorite, it's been the, and this is, this is me extremely vulnerable and like personal here, is I w- it's my most interesting and favorite, and, the, and I've learned the most from it. It's probably um, my first wife you know, leaving on my second, like my deployment when I, while I was deployed, like she like totally left me. Um, and it was a failure of not being present when I was present, not listening properly and always like on the go, like as entrepreneurs, we just want to like bulldoze through every goal that we ever have. And the family gets put to the side. Um, they come second and, and we do it with our kids. Uh, our our spouses, our our parents. Um, it's just not putting the people first that are most important to us. Yeah. So I would say that's probably the most interesting, most like uh, uh, pivotal learning experiences I've ever had. And so I think that is blessing. Blessing. And I think that's something that every entrepreneur runs into it because we have our family, mm-hmm. and then we have our business. And for a lot of us, our business is our other baby. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we, we treat it. It's we get it from walking to running and so on. And if trips and falls and gets bruised and we pick it up, we have, well, exert all the energy to pick it up. But our family is is there for us. And we don't necessarily take that same effort. Uh, Gary Harper is, is a friend of mine. And uh, he says, you know, we'll spend all this money and travel to work on our business. And we'll spend zero money <laughs> to travel to work on our marriage or our family. Yeah. So you've you've this is your your most interesting failure what are you doing to make sure it doesn't happen again oh geez now you really are putting me on the spot i didn't want to share that part um you know it's just constantly reminding myself like hey um you you got to be present like you know last night when i got home um i left my phone in the truck Mm -hmm. like that's one thing right there if you just leave your phone like I mean, when I was living in Colorado, I lived on 58 acres. We still have that property. I had about a, almost a 2,000-foot driveway. So I would make sure that I ended whatever it was before I part, put that truck in park. Um, so that's one thing, you know, because if your phone is constantly pinging and chirping and ringing while your kids are running up to you to say hello, in my case, I got three of them and a big dog. They all want to say hi at the same time. My wife just patiently waits, um, you know, but uh, that's one thing. Just leaving it in the truck. Like they say, leave it at the door, leave it at the office. I leave it at the truck. Um, and I'm not perfect at it. You know, obviously, I'm preaching to myself here. Right. Um, and then it's just like taking the time like to get the babysitter, schedule the babysitter. I'm reading um, a great book right now. It's called The World Class Assistant by Michael Hyatt. It talks about his executive assistant schedules in his date nights. So another thing I'm about to do right there, like scheduling date night, put in notes for me, uh, like do something like once a week. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to to lose track of that. Um, And we're not doing it right now because we just moved to Florida. Um, So it's little things like that. And, you know, one of the greatest investments that me and my wife together have ever made was having a Christian marriage counselor mm-hmm. um, because like, it's almost like a translator. It, he was a guy, like he was translating what I was trying to say to her and vice versa type thing. Yeah. Uh, men are weed eaters and women are, are like literally spaceships type things. They're so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think what you're talking about, about you know, leaving the, the phone in a truck, I think it's powerful. You know, I, I'm not at that extreme, but you know, uh, at dinner, I, that's when I actually charge my phone. I plug my phone in to get charged at that time, and I'm 100% present at dinner, right? So I imagine some of your coaching students are like, Brent, I can't do that. I can't leave my phone in the truck. What would you say to them? Can't, never could. No. <laughs> um, I don't let my kids say can't to me, so why would I let a coaching student say yeah. I can't do that? Um, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. Like It's something so easy to do but can be so hard as well. And at the end of the day, like people know, like my parents know, um, or like if it's an absolute emergency, my wife's phone's on. Mm -hmm. And no one gets that phone except for like, you know, my parents basically. I'm there with my kids and my wife and my parents have her phone. Like who else do I need to to go and like pull out of a burning house type thing? So you can't be all things to everybody. 
So you're saying if I need to get a hold of you, you need to skip trace your wife. Literally. All right. Literally. Done. <laughs> <laughs> after five, you know, type thing. And I'll, sometimes I'll go get the phone after the kids go back to sleep if I have something I knew I needed to do type yeah. thing. Um, but, you know, like you got to give them their time. Not Absolutely. No, I, I, think that's, I think that's an incredible lesson uh, for every entrepreneur that's listening. Um, what book have you gifted more than any other? Oh, man. So it's funny. The reason why I had the Miracle Morning in my bag, I gifted that to my dad. I had noticed he only read like the first 10 pages. I was at his house the other day and I took it back. I literally <laughs> ended and gave that. You're one. not worthy. Uh, <laughs> so I would say I gave my chiropractor, the wealthy gardener. Um, mm. Great story about a chiropractor buying real estate. Um, man, I'm not, I don't really gift a lot of books. And mm -hmm. those are probably the only two I can think of off the top of my head. I did let someone borrow my Jim Rohn. If she's listening, hopefully she'll give it back. Uh, my Jim uh, Rohn, I think it's Living a Purposeful Life, mm -hmm. Living a Meaningful Life, the, the special edition that mm -hmm. uh, Mark, uh, Mark gave me. Um, but uh, anyhow, yeah, those are probably the, the three. Yeah, I love Jim Rohn. I think it's, for me, it's a lot easier to listen than to read. I haven't actually read anything from him, but I could listen to that guy all day. Yes, yeah. I listened to it on Audible as well as read the book at the same time, and I got different things from each side. Interesting. So, yeah. Oh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have to check that out. My favorite from him, The Power of Ambition on, on, on oh, Audible. Oh, okay. And incredible. I'll have to check it out. We actually require that for our team uh, as on Power of Ambition. Power of Ambition, yeah. All right, so I want you to think about what you want to leave um, the listeners with. I'll make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, guys, if you got value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. We are trying to create 100 millionaires. I'm sorry. We are creating 100 millionaires. And the way to do that is to reach more people. So uh, it helps us reach more people. If you guys like, subscribe, share, and comment. And we got our uh, two-day workshop coming up Friday next week, Friday and Saturday. If you guys are interested, go to disruptors.com slash workshop. See if it makes, makes sense for you guys. And you got Ryan Weimer coming down from Boise. Uh, to talk about his business uh, next week. So it's going to be really cool to hear his story, his journey. He's had a remarkable year thus far. And I think he's going to clear a million dollars, which is, uh, you know, a pretty admirable goal, right, uh, for wholesaling. So what are some last thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with? You know, pick a path and run with it. You know, get one thing built at a time. You know, don't, don't do the shiny object syndrome. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm telling people to do land, but that's... <laughs> That's, uh, I don't recommend building two ships at one time, two mm -hmm. planes in the air type thing. Um, so I could say the biggest thing is like, you know, stick to what you're doing, get it automated, delegated, and then go to the next thing, you know, because I know we're going to, we're always going to do something different. Yeah. Right. But you can't serve two masters. Cannot serve two masters. That's why I had to get out of the military. I was the worst W-2 employee. I felt so terrible hiding in the bathroom making $100,000 <laughs> in a month. <laughs> A little terrible. <laughs> All right. If you, someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, yeah. I mean, hit me up on, on Instagram, Brent L. Bowers. I also just launched my YouTube channel like two months ago, Brent Bowers. So, and I'm, I'm responding to people. I'm like answering questions on there. Uh, so it's fun. That's awesome. All right. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Appreciate it. This was an absolute My blast. pleasure. Thanks for having me. For sure.